Well, again, <clears throat> good morning. Uh, we are finishing this sermon series that we've been in for the summer uh, through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, so if you have this little journal that we've provided you, uh, you can grab that. If you have a Bible with you, you want or an app or on your phone or something, you want to uh, open that up to, to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be sitting in there for, for quite a while. Um, I am really glad that you're here this morning. Uh, and if you are newer to our family, uh, if you feel like a guest today, I hope that you feel more like family when you leave than you did when you first came in. Uh, if you've been tracking with us over these last few weeks, uh, or maybe just watching online or even catching up later, you know that we've been teaching through or walking ourselves through uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, what's known as the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is teaching about how to live life in light of the fact that we will continue to live. We will live forever. In other words, the issue is not whether or not you are an eternal being, whether or not you will live forever. The question is, what kind of life will you, will you live? What kind of existence will you have in the rest of eternity? For we are, as the scriptures are teaching us, we are eternal beings with a good destiny in God's good universe, a purpose for our life that we only find when we find our life hidden in Christ, when we find our life aligning with the purposes and the person of Jesus. Jesus has been describing in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 a heavenly life, a life that is full of heavenly existence now and ready for the rest of eternity when we enter that kind of stuff. And when we follow the teachings of Jesus, when we follow the person of Jesus, empowered by his grace, empowered by his presence in our life, then we will be driven and our hearts will be actually transformed to live different lives. Not lives where we're trying to prove ourselves, not lives where we are, are driven by our selfish ambition, but lives that are genuine good, that are genuinely holy, genuinely righteous, from a heart that is overflowing with God's goodness and God's presence flows out genuine good and holy and pleasing life, a life that we were made to live, a life that we find our abundance in when we learn to follow him. And we will find, as Jesus has been teaching us, that we are equipped to participate with God to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. This is what Jesus has been teaching us all throughout the summer. And if you've missed a sermon or two, I'd invite you to go back onto our website, limacrossroads.org, and find the messages and you can kind of catch yourself caught up. Because this sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, is crucial and central to us as followers of Jesus that we can align ourselves with his teaching and that we can find the true and abundant life that God has prepared for us. Now we're in the last part of this sermon, so we're in Matthew chapter 7. Now I'm going to be kind of overviewing verse 13 through 29 through the end of it. So if you, again, if you have a Bible or an app on your phone or someplace that you can kind of, uh, kind of keep your finger there in the text, we're going to kind of work our way through it. And basically Jesus is coming to the end of his sermon, kind of landing the plane as it were. And he comes to this portion of the sermon and really begins to say, I've given you all these teachings. I've talked about what does it look to live without anger or without uh, greed or without kind of sexual immorality and without all these things. I've talked about all these things, but the question is going to be, what are you going to do with my teaching? 
I've laid out some great teaching of understanding of kingdom living about how to live good, genuine, holy, and righteous lives where your heart is being transformed. But the question is going to come to, what are you going to do with what you have heard on the Sermon on the Mount? Because obedience to Jesus' teaching, learning to follow Jesus', putting it into practice, is central to a life well lived. Putting Jesus' teaching into practice is required or central to a life well lived, both now and for the life of eternity. So as we kind of consider into this portion of the scriptures, let me pray for us and then we'll dive in and see what we can learn together. God, we pray for you to be active in our life. We thank you for this sermon series that we've been engaging in and for just the the freedom that we have to read your words and to understand what you have us to do give us the courage to put into practice what we've learned and what we've seen it's in your name we pray amen so again matthew chapter 7 verse 13 through 29 is kind of where we're going to be going here and i want us to take a look at four different things that we see in jesus's teaching here as he kind of winds down the sermon four things for us to consider as regarding our following or our putting into practice the teachings that jesus has taught over these last few weeks and the first thing i want us to consider is the heart of jesus's message I want us to consider what the heart or the essence of Jesus' message really is. And just allow me, if I could, just ask a rhetorical question for you to consider. If someone were to ask you, if you're out at at Walmart or you're out in, in the community someplace or at work or whatever, if somebody were to ask you, what the essence of the Christian message is, if, if you could boil it down, what the essence or the heart of the Christian message is, what would you say to them? How would you respond if somebody wanted to know what was the heart of Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount and all of his teaching and all of his uh, life and ministry that he did? What was the essence of it? How would you respond to that? Would you say something about eternity? Would you say something about heaven? Would you say something about life? What would you say is the heart of Jesus' message? And I want to make a suggestion that the heart of Jesus' message is the availability of an interactive life with God that changes everything. A life, a relationship with God is available that changes everything changes all perspective it changes everything of how we see ourselves how we see the world around us and how we see others in the world that this life with god life that's available in and only through christ that this life with god transforms everything that we can have life with god that's the essence that's the heart of Jesus' message, this dynamic, real relationship with God that is made possible through faith in Jesus. And as we learn to have this life with God and as we learn to follow Him, as we learn to do our life the way He would do it if He were living our life, then we apprentice ourselves to Him. We submit ourselves as His students. But this life with God is a life where we know Him and He knows us. We're known by him and we know him. It's this relationship that is offered through Christ that will overflow in obedience. 
that overflows with following after him. It overflows with putting into practice his teachings, his life, because we trust him more than we trust ourselves, more than we trust the, the voices around us. We are learning to trust in his word to be true and to be supreme. For this life with God changes everything around us. Let's look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 23 through, sorry, 21 through 23. A sobering, difficult passage here as Jesus winds down his sermon here. But this is what he says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you apart from me, you evildoers. Now, at first glance, that can be very unnerving, and it's a sobering passage for us to listen to. After all, the person standing before Jesus at this time knew all sorts of things about God. They call him Lord, Lord, and they had done lots of things for him. They had prophesied. They had done miracles. But what is Jesus' words to them? I didn't know you. I didn't know you. And while it may seem unnerving, it may seem scary at times, because it might seem as though Jesus is saying that that in order to have eternal life or life with him, it, it seems almost impossible. For if this person who knows a lot about God, who does lots of things for God, who's at church every time the doors are open, who sings loudly, raises their hands, does all the miraculous things, if even those guys, it's impossible to enter heaven, then what about for the rest of us? Average people, everyday people. What chance could there be for heavenly life if if even those who call Lord, Lord and did miracles and prophesied? Is Jesus just holding up some unrealistic expectation, holding the carrot out in front of us that we'll never achieve anyway? It's just impossible? What I want to suggest this morning, while it may seem like that at first glance, what we really hear in Jesus is good news. What we really hear Jesus is liberating message of life that's available. And here's why. Because the essence of the Christian message is not about knowing the right things or even about doing the right things. The essence of the Christian message is a relationship with God where he knows you and you know him. It's not about knowing the right things. It's about being known by the right one, right? There's a world of difference between knowing a lot about God and a relationship with him where we spend unhurried time with him, where we get to know his heart, where we get to know his desires, his values, and he gets to speak into us and we spend time with him this dynamic relationship because the essence of the Christian message isn't about ticking off the right religious list. The essence of the Christian message is a right relationship that is founded on unhurried time where we spend time with him. Jesus will say it later in John, John chapter 17, verse three, says this, this is eternal life that they, meaning disciples, know you, 
the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. The essence of the Christian message is a relationship where we know God, where we have a life with him and he knows us. This is why it's a liberating message where Jesus is coming to the end of his sermon here because if eternal life was dependent on what you do for God or what you understand about God or how zealous you can be for God, how passionate you can be for God, you will never really know if you're there. You'll never really know if you know enough. You'll never know if you're passionate enough. Well, the heart of Jesus' message is not do, do, do. It's about who do you know? And do you spend time, unhurried time, getting to know the heart of the Father where he can speak into you and he can have this life with God, with God. It's not about having enough knowledge to pass a theological test. It's not about doing enough things to check off, check off the religious List do, it's about who you know. And that relationship forms this foundation for all that we do. It shapes everything. For we're learning to trust him, to learn to put into practice what he's telling us because we have a life with him. This interactive relationship life is everything that Jesus has been inviting us into. It's all that he's talking about in the Sermon on the Mount. It's all that he talks about in all of his teaching and the life that he's living in the stuff he invites us to. And it overflows with obedience. When we get to know the heart of the Father, when we see his desire for us, when we see his love for us, the grace that he offers us, the forgiveness, the mercy that he offers us, when we get to know, have a life with him in that kind of way, then it overflows with this obedience where we're learning to put into practice what he's teaching us, where we're learning to trust his ways more than our ways, where we're saying yes to his will and no to my will. That is the essence of the Christian message. Life with God made possible through faith in Jesus. That's what it's about. And if we're going to live this life with God, well, there's things that are going to oppose or challenge our life with God. And those are the th other things I want us to consider from Jesus' sermon here. In order to practice, we need to consider the opposition of life with God, that there are things, forces, and things that oppose this life with God. While it may seem challenging at times, there's at least a number of things that Jesus points out to, and at least these ones, I would imagine we have all encountered at least one or more of these challenges. So how do you develop and deepen this life with God, this relationship, interactive time where we spend unhurried time listening and, and leaning into the words of Jesus. If you've been following Jesus for maybe minutes or decades, it doesn't matter, for we have all experienced one or more of these things that oppose our life with God. And so it's good for us to consider what are we up against if we're desiring to have this life deep with God. And the first opposition is that the road is narrow. The road is narrow. Look back, Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few will find it. See, life 
with God is not life going the path of least resistance. When we learn to live our life in a relationship with Jesus, it's not the path of least resistance where we just kind of go as the patterns that we've always done and we've always gone away. It's not going the, the way of the prevailing culture. It is learning to submit my will to his will. It's learning to trust him more than myself. And if I'm honest with you, if I could be even a little honest, I would tell you that there are lots of times when I don't want to lay aside my will. I don't want to say no to my will. I want to say yes to my will. I want to go along with the barrage of advertisements that we are hit with day in and day out that try to convince us that I am the most important person in my universe and that it should be to fulfill my desires however and whenever I want to. And so I'm confronted right away at the very beginning. If I'm going to live a life, an interactive life where I know God and he knows me, then it's a call to deny my will, to submit my will to his will, to say no to what I want, to say no to fulfilling the desires however and whenever I want, and to say yes to how he wants it, to learn his pattern of living. And in that way, a path of apprenticeship is challenging to me. And maybe it's challenging to you because it requires us to be intentional about submitting and denying ourselves to pick up our cross and follow after Jesus. It is not the path of least resistance where I just go along with the prevailing culture or even my own desires, but Jesus' encouragement is to know the destiny of that broad road, know the destiny of a life of pursuing of least resistance where it's going to go. He says a life that pursues that is leading to destruction. The path of least resistance is harmful, he says, to your soul and to those around you. But if you follow after him, if you learn to partner your life with him, well, then you will find eternal life. And if you're going to learn to live in light of the fact that you will live for eternity, if you're going to learn to be the kind of people who are prepared to exist for the rest of eternity, we're going to need to learn to overcome this opposition of this broad road. We're going to need to learn a new way of living. A new way of living. But there's a second opposition to this life with God, and that is that looks can be deceiving. Looks can be deceiving. Check out verses 15 through 20 of Matthew 7. Jesus says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. And by their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from the thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus by their fruit you will recognize them. Jesus tells us that one of the oppositions, one of the challenges in front of us if we are learning to live a life with God is that there will be people who look good on the outside but are ferocious wolves on the inside. A false prophet, in other words, especially biblically speaking, a false prophet is one who's leading for their own benefit. 
that are enamored by power and reputation and by what others see about them. These kind of leaders will often really look good on the outside. Externally, they look really good, but they can hurt others when their need for control and power is challenged. And they can hurt others. And you may be aware of some of the more public scandals that have come about recently in the church at large, not at Crossroads, let me make sure of that, at large. Some of the things that have come to the surface, even as recent as this past year. Ways in which people who are in positions of spiritual authority who have misused and even abused their power for their own gain. And when we see toxic leadership like that, when we see people that are hurt by those who are in positions of authority, spiritual authority, it can disorient us to this whole faith aspect. It can disorient us. And you can even begin to lose faith in God because you've seen the abuses of power. And if we're going to live with an unshakable faith, we're going to have to recognize that looks can be deceiving. And so Jesus is careful here. His encouragement is be careful about who you ask, who you have in leadership. Pay attention to the fruit that you see around them. For spiritual leadership is never about power over. Spiritual leadership is never about controlling and manipulating others. It's about empowering others. It's about equipping them to find and fulfill their God-given callings. It's not about power over. But when we see those abuse their power, when we see these false prophets, ones that are for their selfish gain, it can be disorienting in our life. And if we're not careful, the scandals that hit the church from time to time, even as recent as these last few months, can rock our faith in ways that slow our progress towards Jesus. It looks can be deceiving. And so Jesus says, be careful that you don't put too much stock in the human leader, but you find your leadership is only in Christ, that we are following him, and he is the supreme one that we follow. But there's a third aspect that I want us to take a look at, and that is that the storms are coming in our life. And that was depicted in this drama that was referencing Matthew 7, Verses 24 through 27. And life has this combination of storms that hit. Some greater than others and some smaller. But we will all face a storm from one thing, one time or another. We will all face disruptions to our life. Broken relationships, health concerns, illnesses that come along, financial setbacks. And what I love about Jesus, among other things, what I love about Jesus is he's so authentic. He's so real. He's not pulling any punches. He knows that in this life we are going to face troubles and difficulties and storms will come. He doesn't say if the storms come. He says when the storms come, when there are challenges that we face, the reality is we need something outside of ourselves, something stronger that is outside of us to keep us strong. Otherwise, our faith is on shaky ground. And our cynicism, skepticism, and, and even hopelessness will seep into our life, both our life with God and our life with others. So if we're going to step into a life of purpose that God has for us, we're going to need to be sober-minded, recognizing that there are things that are going to oppose our growing, our growing in Christ-likeness. 
But that gives me to the next thing I want us to consider. Not only the essence of the Christian message, and not only are there things that oppose that life with God, but notice what Jesus says, for there is a strength that we have for this life with God. There's a strength that we can hold on to to deepen this life with him. As he winds up his sermon here, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus says this, Therefore anyone or everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. There it is. The power, the strength that we need for a life with God when we put Jesus' words into practice. When we put them into practice. When we trust Jesus. When we learn to trust him more than we trust ourselves. It's just like it was depicted in the drama where we recognize I'm not a builder. I need someone else's wisdom. And who else who else has the wisdom that we can pull from to live a life well lived than Jesus, the creator of all things? Who else can we have the wisdom and the knowledge other than the supreme one who stands high above everything else? Jesus. The strength that we need for a life well lived is Jesus. It's learning to put his words into practice. And I want you to think about this word, put them into practice, he says. For everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. That word practice comes with a couple different kind of uh, connotations. On the one hand, it means that you're committed, disciplined. You're going to practice. You're going to do this. If you're going to practice a sport or a language or school or a musical instrument, it comes with some kind of discipline. You're going to have to show up. You're going to have to do the stuff that means practice. There's a commitment to it. But on the other hand, it also means that you haven't perfected it yet. There's still room of growth. So now take those two aspects of this word practice, that there's a discipline aspect and that we haven't perfected it, that we're still growing, and bring those to what Jesus is talking about, about putting his words into practice. See, the strength that we need for a life well lived is learning to discipline ourselves to do what Jesus is teaching us to do, to recognize that we are not there yet and we still need his grace for growth. We take Jesus' words seriously. We don't pick and choose what we like and what we don't really like. But we follow his words. And we recognize we're not perfect along the way. The strength that you and I need for a life well lived when relationship with him is not our ability to do all the right things. It's not our passion or zeal and how loudly we can shout on a corner or anything like that. It is the words of Jesus. It's his teaching. It's learning to trust his words more than my words. And when we do that, we will be on a foundation of a rock, solid foundation where our faith is stronger when the storms come. Fourth and last thing I want us to consider as Jesus' sermon here is the foundation for our life with God. Jesus says it this way right at the very end here. 28 and 29, Jesus had finished saying these things. The crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. See, the crowds were amazed at Jesus. Why? 
Why were they so amazed at Jesus? Because they had never heard anyone teach like Jesus taught. They had never heard anyone who had the final authority over everything. They had never experienced such gentle authority like Jesus displayed. So what we need to experience the fullness of life, the way we have been created for, is not just new teaching, not just new ways of thinking. What we need is Jesus. We need Jesus. He is the foundation. This relationship with Jesus where we spend unhurried time getting to know his heart, getting to know his values, getting to know his passion. We've been saying this all along, but when you think about the Sermon on the Mount and all that Jesus has been teaching us, is not, he's not meant to set up new laws or new legalistic ways of, rigid ways of understanding things. But when you, when you turn it into that, when you turn Jesus' teaching into that Sermon on the Mount, it will crush you. But the Sermon on the Mount is meant, and Jesus' teaching is meant to bring you to Jesus, to be amazed at Jesus, to hear his heart, to see his passion, to see him. And my prayer for you and my prayer for me as we kind of enter into this fall season new school year and everything comes and this sermon series coming to a close my prayer for you is that you would be amazed at Jesus you wouldn't be amazed at our church you wouldn't be amazed at the teaching that happens here you wouldn't be amazed at the worship and all the passion and all the zeal and all the activity but you would be amazed at Jesus and because you're amazed at Jesus and because you're spending time with Jesus and getting to know his heart and getting to know his values, then it shapes who you are. And as we are sent from this place, we make a difference in the world to which God is calling us. It's not about doing the right things. It's not about passing the theological test. It's do you know Jesus? And are you amazed at Jesus? That is the essence of the Christian message. It's at the heart of what Jesus is getting at to. Trust and believe him. Put his words into practice. So as we close, let me give you some reflective questions to think about. What aspects of this opposition of life with God have you encountered? As you've been trying to deepen your life with God, perhaps you've been tempted to go the path of least resistance. But maybe Jesus' invitation to you is to be more courageous in your faith, more strong. Perhaps you've begun to see all the abuses of power in the Christian church, and it's beginning to bring cynicism and skepticism in your heart. Can I invite you to just be reminded that your faith is not placed in a human institution or in a human being, but our faith is placed in Jesus and we follow him. Or maybe it's just these great storms of life that have come that just seem overwhelming to you. And Jesus' invitation to you is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these, other, all these others will be given to you as well. That you seek him in the midst of all the storms and the difficulty. Confident that he has full and final authority over all things. 
And while it did indeed we may find hardship, difficulty, overwhelming sadness at times, we serve the one who has overcome all things and has overcome the world. Friends, the essence of life with God, the essence of this message that we have is that a life-giving relationship with God through Christ is available to us. And while we may find ourselves with opposition to that, we have the strength to practice what Jesus says. I hope you know that. I hope you know that in the depths of who you are. That's what we're about. And that's what we want to continue to be about, to challenge and equip us to follow Jesus. Be amazed at Jesus and his teaching. Let me pray for us as we go. Jesus, we are humbled and amazed and honored and uh, in awe of you. Pray that you would give us the courage to put into practice what we have heard. That we may uh, be diligent in our pursuit of you. Pray that you would help us to know the right thing to do the right way in the right spirit and the right time. It's in your name we pray. Amen.